And we are live. We are live at 7.30 in the morning on Thursday. The Hunt for Success, Cody Steinman, Ryan McCracken. We're here today with Aaron Coker. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I love this place. This is, Thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, this is crazy. Crazy. I mean, I got here a little, a couple, but not quite CP time, but a couple minutes, uh, a couple minutes early <laughs> and had a chance to walk around and uh, yeah, very very, very impressive. Well, and we can, we can walk around a little bit afterwards, too. Uh, we talked about this in the last one, but it's always interesting to see people's exp- reaction when they walk in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and yours was good. A lot of people are overwhelmed, and you know, but taking the time to go around and look at each animal. It's odd. In awe. This, it's yeah. odd and, and well, awe. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, it's camp, not, uh, not odd. Not odd, but A-W-E-D. Just I was in awe. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, um, uh it is a true museum, um, and uh, he has uh, uh, lots of events here. Um, we've raised, like I was telling you earlier, raised millions of dollars for animal conservation here. So it's it's one of those hidden gems that not a lot of people know about in Vancouver. Um, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Aaron works with Ryan and I uh, for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you've been in the mortgage inter- industry since... Full time since '01, and then a couple of years before that. So I've been doing this pretty much my whole life. Well, uh, I think you're the first loan officer that we've had on because the show isn't really about mortgages. Mm-hmm. It's not about self promotion or anything. But the the main reason I was excited to get you on is because it seems like discipline comes natural to you, mm-hmm. and I know that's probably not the case. That you've had to work at it, and and uh, you're also a coach with core coaching, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, I was hoping that maybe we can talk about kind of how you keep your discipline and how you make it look so easy. Um, and uh, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is how you you stay so focused on the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think one of my downfalls is I'm always distracted by the shiny things. Mm-hmm. By, oh, let's have this person come in and do a presentation, or I'm going to do this video, or I'm going to do these things. And which you do see some high producers doing. But I never hear you talking about those things. I always hear you talking about the daily disciplines, the phone call, the work-life balance. So, so how did you get to this point? You know, um, it's it's having a a reason to do it. I think is what it comes down to. So, why do you get up in the morning? It's, it's very cliche, I suppose, but you have to have a reason why you're going to put yourself through the pain, and it is painful. I mean, if you ask anybody who's successful they experience some sort of pain along the way to get to where they are. And if you can embrace that pain and enjoy it as much as possible and just compartmentalize it possibly, things are going to be good. But it's it's just why, what do you want? What do you want out of this job? What do you want out of life? And then once you can figure that out, it makes the hard work a little easier to swallow. So maybe dive deeper into that. Did you go through an exercise to kind of plan that out? Because I know like Building Champions has a whole uh, uh, life plan you write out, mm-hmm. right? Where, where uh, I think it was Brian Reynolds would say, go to your quiet place mm-hmm. and, and peaceful place and kind of plan out. Or- so, so for me, it's you, you always want, I mean, we can go. Uh, it's not about work. It's about kind of how you live your life, I suppose. And for me, um, you always want to be the best, right? Personally, that's how I kind of live. But sometimes you're just not. Right? It's just not. It's not in the cards. You don't do what you, you don't do what it takes, or you just don't have the ability. But you keep trying. All right, you keep. You don't quit. You fail, but you don't quit. So, in, in being in the business, you see the people who are doing really, really well, and you always wonder, okay, what 
why can't I do that? You know, what, what's my problem? Well, what's the difference between me and them? Really nothing. I mean, there's really no difference other than they do the work that I wasn't willing to do. So when I look back, let's go back to probably, you know, uh, 2012, 2012, and if I'm looking back that far, most of my business was refinance. So it's probably 75% refinance, 25% purchase. I really didn't know what a realtor was. I mean, honestly, I only had a couple of realtors that I work with and the purchases that I did do were people that I knew or past clients. And I knew that wasn't a sustainable model. And somebody had mentioned the core. So actually somebody mentioned uh, Rick Ruby to me and was raving about him. We're just saying he's a crazy lunatic. So I went on, I went on YouTube and I Googled Rick Ruby and looked him up and watched the video. And I'm like, this guy's, this guy speaks me, speaks my language. No nonsense, no BS. He just, you know, fucking go to work and get the job done. So, uh, I started kind of following uh, that model, the core model, doing it on my own, probably in two, towards the end of 2013. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get accepted into coaching in 2014, I think, so the end of 2013, 2014, got accepted, started getting coached, because I'm coming up in my five-year. And then that just forced me to do things completely differently. So, you know, you figure out your why. It wasn't, it wasn't the Building Champions thing where you sit down and you go to your quiet place, like you mentioned, and you... You kumbaya it and you write down all the little things you want and this and that. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not my thing. That's not my jam, right? I just want, okay, how can I do more loans? Okay, how can I save more money? How can I help my family? And how can I give more money to charity? That's pretty much what it comes down to. So with the core, they gave me that model. They gave me that roadmap, if you will. So I think anybody who's any successful athlete, uh, business person, they, you need a mentor in life to get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my mentor. I don't... I, can't say I really have any mentors per se, but just that model, the core model would be my mentor in business of just doing the same thing every Monday, the same thing every Tuesday, Wednesday, so on and so forth. And just forcing yourself. I mean, I, th- I can think back to some of the best agents I had. I would call and call and call and call for months on end every week, no answer. And then eventually they picked up the phone and I was there to help. And now we're great friends and we've done a lot of deals together and we've helped a lot of people buy houses. So just that persistence and that willingness not to quit because it's really easy to quit. I mean, it's really easy. It's easy to quit. Mm-hmm. Right? That's but it's but it's not easy to once you fail to keep failing to keep failing until you find that success. So I think the, dis- the, the, the difference between the people who are successful are the ones who have, are willing to fail and continue to fail, knowing that eventually that failure will lead to a success. So. Uh, we'll go back a little bit. Do you have something, Ryan? I was just going to interject and say that our first guest ever was Doug Mendenhall, who is a great success story, too. Mm-hmm. And what made me think of that was the whole, like, failing, failing, failing. And that's one of his biggest uh, attributes, I think, is just, like, those. He's, like, it takes, like, five iterations of, like, whatever you're trying to do. Fail, 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 fail. Finally, you succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, when you're talking about calling agents... And so for those people that are in our industry, real estate agents can be a big source of business, right? Mm-hmm. As far as referrals, but uh, just sticking with it. And I think that was a really good analogy comparing him to Doug, but but Doug would always take one iteration and then make a change, and then another iteration, make a change. And it sounds like you weren't doing a lot of that. It was just about doing the consistency yeah. every time. I'm sure there was changes and growths and scripts in the Absolutely. way you start your conversations. Yeah. It's confidence too. You, you got to go on with confidence. You got to believe I, I've, I believe I'm the best at what I do. And if I didn't have that belief, I wouldn't be able to provide the service that I provide and give the advice that I give to my clients. If I went in there thinking, 
I'm not like, great. There's probably somebody who can do a better job than I can do. And you've already kind of lost. So what comes first? The uh, high level of success in production or that swagger and confidence? Because you definitely have confidence. That's not one of your issues, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, you know, when we have a meeting and there's 20 people in the room, uh, uh, you're definitely the, one of the most confident people in the room and, and kind of carry yourself a certain way. Mm-hmm. Did that? St- what started first? Probably, I would say self-confidence. I mean, then you have the, then you, once you have the production, it backs up the confidence. But you had you have to believe in yourself. I, I believe in, you know, I think Ryan does too. And look good, feel good, play good. You know, back in mm-hmm. college, got to be spatted up, shoes taped up, white socks, pulled the knees. I mean, you're looking fresh when you go out there in the field. You're feeling good. Then you're going to play well. Right? It's same thing with this business. You look good, you feel good, you're going to play good. So I, I think just that self-confidence comes before the uh, the anything else and having that self-confidence. And when you were when you were started coaching and you were doing things outside of your comfort zone, uh, was it did you find yourself having to work at keeping your confidence up? There's every there's days. I mean, even even probably this week where you're you're going shit, man. Ugh, ah. yeah. You're just doing that right where you're thinking to yourself, oh my, what am I going to do? And uh, the business isn't here. And but then it's just. I talked to Ryan about this. If you just do the positive activity, I, positive results will come. I don't know how it works. And the activity is not necessarily going to lead to the results you're looking for, but you're making phone calls, you're helping people, you're just there to be a servant for your sphere. And all of a sudden, somebody will call you out of the blue. Not even related to the, the activity you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I, I truly believe that if you just do the work, good things will happen. So uh, if it's all right, let's go back and talk about core coaching a little bit. Mm-hmm. You said something. We've we've talked about coaching a lot on this podcast. We've had coaches on here. But you said something that's never come up before, and that's when I was accepted into coaching. Mm-hmm. So normally coaching's the other way. Like oh, they're yeah. selling you on. Oh, yeah. On, yeah, come with us. Yeah. We're the best. Give yeah. us your money. Yeah, no, the core, the core is uh, completely different in that it's it's all about business, number one. So it's all about Making more money, saving more money, giving away more money. Those are, those are the three tenets. Those are the three things we track every month. Uh, but it's not, not for everybody. Because okay? you're going to have people who want to be part of a group, but they're not willing to do the work that it takes to, make, to stay in that group and to be, um, I guess, uh, at the top of the game you know, in, this, in this industry. There's a lot of people, a lot, a lot of licensed people that do what we do, and they, they do one deal every quarter, right? But mm-hmm. to be at the top of the food chain and be a part of the core, you have to... Go to an event, and you have to spend three or four grand just to go to that event. And then when you're at the event, you have to fill out a uh, write a little essay as to why they should accept you. And then all the coaches get together and they read the essays and they start figuring out who they're going to accept and who they're not going to accept. So it's a it's a process. Yeah, it's a process. Uh, <clears throat> so Brian and I started doing core coaching, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a entry level lift off. Is I think what they're calling mm-hmm. it, right? Um, and uh, one, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not because I've been doing coaching for a couple years, but it was uh, a lot different style. And uh, uh, one thing that I'm liking about the coaching is uh, 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 Ryan's taking some pictures for later. <laughs> Got to do behind the scenes, man. <laughs> it's funny because uh, we know he's taking pictures. And you're the first one to break <laughs> the fourth <laughs> to break and look at him. So I go the fourth yeah. wall, yeah. Yeah, like a little Deadpool. <laughs> um, but what I like about it is, uh, like I said, I get kind of distracted, not 
I get distracted by adding work that isn't necessarily lead to direct production. Um, but uh, you can't manipulate your coach because they oh. definitely coach within the framework. Mm -hmm. And it was easy with past coaches oh. to, to say, you know, I really want to go after uh, Intel and develop this big relationship with Intel. And so they would sidetrack our whole plan and we would work around this big project. And then what got the focus that got lost are those daily routines, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, and that daily, that daily accountability. Uh, and so that's what I'm liking it is, is that you really can't manipulate it. And, and we kind of feel like, uh, or I can't speak for Ryan, but I kind of feel like they're trying to break you a little bit mm -hmm. uh, into the system. And one thing that you've, t you've, I've heard you say a little bit lately is you just got to uh, uh, surrender. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, there's one gentleman that's his. That was his big thing. That um, he's one of the top coaches in the core, probably the high, one of the highest earners. Uh, he actually works with Cross Country Mortgage, who we work for. And his big thing was when he first got in that he could do it better. He could find a better way to do it. So he had we can implement this, but no, I, I'm not going to do that. I can do this. My way works. And he wasn't getting the success he wanted. All right, he kept on trying to do it his way and they wanted to kick him out and they wanted to get rid of him and he, no, I, I can do it this way. This way is gonna work, my way is better, right? Huh, you can't, you can't, don't reinvent the wheel. There's, 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 there, there may be little tweaks here and there to improve the system, but overall just do the work. So until he actually surrendered, he wasn't doing anything. But the fact that he surrendered now, I mean, he just crushes it and he's got a great business that he runs. And he implements. So the two key things are surrender and implement. Those are the two key things. So if you can surrender to the process, track your results, and then if you can implement, you don't have to implement everything because we've all gone to conferences and sales mastery or whatever, whatever your line of work is. And you, you go there and you come home and you're feeling all jazzed and you have a list of 50 things. But you don't do anything because you got a list of 50 things. If you can just take one thing off that list or two things off that list and implement them, change your business, start doing it, you're going to see results. And then you go again in six months and you come back and you take two more things, you implement them, all right, and then two more and so on and so forth. That's how you really grow. Just baby steps. You know, there's no tortoise, tortoise in the hair. I mean, it's so true. And in the society we live in today, we want everything right now. It's just crazy how things have changed. I mean, we grew up in the 80s, all of us, I think, here. Mm -hmm. you, had to, you want to call someone, you had to get that damn rotary phone and... And if you had a bunch of zeros in that phone and you screwed it up, you had to start all the way over in that phone number. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, people have no idea what it was like. And even before that, I, it's, I couldn't imagine living to grow up in the 60s or 50s. And I just did that. I was at um, I was in Hermiston at a, a hunting at a little hunting cabin. And the only phone they had was a rotary phone attached to the wall. And mm -hmm. there was no cell service. Mm -hmm. So I had a call. I wanted to call and check in with my wife. Oh, yeah. It took me like eight times. Oh, to get it right? To, to get the phone number right. <laughs> Did you have a calling card that you yeah. used? Oh, we were at college back in the day. You get the calling cards or you have the, get the phone bill coming with your roommates and everybody divvy it up. And who called this number? What's, what number is this? Who called long distance? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, my short-term memory has gotten so bad because I think we're all on our devices all the time. Oh, yeah. That I'd get to like the seventh digit and then forget where I was in the phone number. Mm -hmm. I'd have to start over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at any point, do people outgrow coaching? I mean, because it, core focuses on the basics so much. At what point do you are you like, you know, I have the basics down? Mm -hmm. I'd say just Tom Brady outgrow Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. I don't like either of them because I'm a Rams fan, so I'm a little mm -hmm. bitter right now. But uh, no, you, you always need someone to hold you accountable. So if, without, without that accountability, some people are, can hold themselves accountable. And I think some people can outgrow coaching. But a lot of times what you'll find is if you don't have that accountability in place, you're going to go back to your old ways. 
So let me ask you this. Um, is accountability important to you? And, oh. and has it been before coaching? And I know you do a lot of stuff, like you talked about, outside of uh, uh, work, mm-hmm. like your cycling and other and exercising and CrossFit that takes a lot of, of discipline. Do you find you find that you try to put accountability? CrossFit loosely. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's over there laughing. Coker. Yeah. He could barely sit down when he came in this morning. <laughs> no, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is we, we've had, uh, I've asked a lot of guests on that because we've had, you know, really successful CEOs, high producers. Um, Olympians. Olympians. And I, I would normally ask that question, you know, do you, are you somebody that requires a lot of accountability? And I was kind of surprised. I thought everybody would say yes, and we have accountability partners, and I got somebody that calls me and makes sure I'm at the gym and blah, blah. But it was over half, I think, would say, no, I'm a pretty self-accountable people. And these are really high-level producers. I think self-starters, people who have a vision on where they want to go, they have that ability to do what it takes. But the average Joe needs that accountability. Uh, that's, that's everybody's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but I do think having some layer of accountability, just telling someone, "Hey, I want to do this," and letting someone know, and they can check in with you and say, hey, "Have you done that?" Right? That that makes a big difference because not not everybody can. I mean, it's discipline's tough. I mean, it's tough to stick with it. It's tough to. I don't know how you do it, Ryan. Get up at the crack of dawn. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it's just uh, what, four four thirty. What time are you getting up? Four fifteen. Ah, eesh, that's rem. And he was doing that before Jocko would text a pic- or Instagram a picture of his watch every day, right? Yeah, but Jocko, like, really, I was like, all right, if he can do it, I can do it. It really, it really pushed me mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, there's that there's that certain segment of the population where it's not the not the majority, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So do you find yourself in the I need accountability or or oh um, no, I don't, I think I'm a more of a if I want to do something, I'm going to do it type of guy. Yeah, I'm just gonna. If it's it's. I put my mind to it, and I'll figure it out. Figure out a way to do it. Uh, so, <clears throat> let's talk about team building a little bit, because mm-hmm. you've put together a pretty impressive team and, and a system, and I think you've derived most of that, most of that from the core. Mm-hmm. It's like a commercial for the core. This should be paying us, right? Well, we don't have a sponsor yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, but seriously, I want to hear. Um, and this is a question I haven't asked you is. Uh, maybe talk about a little of the obstacles and uh, uh, adversity you felt you've you went through developing your team because mm-hmm. you've had um, assistants and loan officer assistants and processors your whole career, right? Not my whole career, no. Okay. Not until um, probably twenty twelve ish. Okay, is when I have somebody working. Maybe twenty eleven is when I have someone working for me. And how long did it take you to get to the point where your your team and your systems were dialed to the point where they're at now? A long time. <laughs> Long time, <laughs> a lot of failure. So this is where you actually need someone to help you if you don't have any experience. Uh, I, I just think that it's what's the uh, what's the what's the uh, the term? It's uh, quick to fire, slow to hire. Mm-hmm. I was quick to hire, slow to fire in a lot yeah. of cases. Just you, you hire someone just to fill a role because you need someone to fill that role. So if I think back, how many people did I have working with us before we got to this point? I think it's probably going to be. Uh, 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 uh. I'm, I'm avoiding saying names. I want to <laughs> say, I want to say, because I'm not easy to work with. I'm very, I'm very demanding. I have, I have a certain standard that I need to, that my standard needs to be met, and it's usually it's a little bit higher than. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but people understand that. Uh, I would say six people 
six or seven maybe that I've worked with over the years before I got to the team that I have right now. It's not, and you got to have the right personalities. You can't have, you can't, a lot of people will hire themselves. You can't hire yourself because then you're just, you're not going to. So I want to talk about all that, but you said something really interesting that you have a high level, high standard, right? That Mm -hmm. everyone has to meet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how do you do that and keep morale up and and have have the respect where you're not being a jerk? Because we've all worked with people that are demanding bosses, but they're kind of assholes, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's a small percentage of those leaders can execute both. I just think you said it, respect. So you have to respect your employees. And, but they, but you also, as the leader, need to explain, this is my process. This is how I have to do it. And you also have to walk the walk. So if I'm going to ask them to do something, it's got to be something I'm willing to do. Okay? I can't expect them to do all the work and me just to sit back on my ass and do nothing. That's not how, that's not how I roll. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm in the trenches. I'm doing the dirty work. We, we, we joke that uh, whenever there's a tough call to be made, I need to go home and get my tough call blazer. I got this uh, kind of, it's kind of an eggplant jacket, purplish uh, corduroy. It's pretty tight. And it's got these elbow patches on it. So we always joke around, oh, you better go home and get your tough call blazer to make this phone call. So I will always fall on the sword for my team. It's never going to be the team's fault. I am the leader. And even if they screw up and they make a big mistake, it's always on me. And that's what any leader, I think any, any good leader should do. I think uh, Jocko, Jocko mentions it. And, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Just jack them. Own it. Medication. Wake up early. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's got to, you got to earn the respect by backing up what you say. Yeah. Um, so, maybe talk about some of the uh, obstacles and learning uh, opportunities you had when you went through six support staff. I think it's just. <laughs> Not understanding how to communicate uh, with them. So communication is key in business and in life and in relationships and friendships. If you don't communicate, things aren't going to go well. So not communicating, um, not setting the expectations up front. So just in having, I <laughs> joke that uh, they should be able to read my mind, right? You should know mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. And a lot of times they can to this point because we've been together for a few years now. Uh, but before, it's I think it in my head and it just kind of moves so quickly that I don't get it out to verbalize it and then I get frustrated because they can't understand what I want them to do. So for me, it's a matter of slowing down and communicating as opposed to just taking it from them and doing it because they didn't do it. So I'd say communication is a key to overcome a lot of the obstacles that you have and then understanding, understanding the individual, understanding a big, big fan of the disc profile, uh, big fan of love languages. That's uh, great for you. If you're, if you've never done the love five languages, love, I've never done that one. Oh, you got to do it. It's great. It's good. There's a show called I'm Sorry. Um, it's on Netflix. It's kind of like the uh, the female version of Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. But uh, they did a little bit on the love language. And my wife and I have done a little love, love language test. And it's it's so true. you got to understand that uh, for me, it's acts of service. So if I come home and the dishes are done or the house is cleaned or something like that, that just makes my day, right? This makes my life so much easier. For my wife, it's quality time. So we could be sitting in the same room on the opposite ends of the couch, not talking to each other. But for her, that's quality time. I think there was a, what was it, a couple nights ago, I had, I, I literally like ice cream, like salt and straw ice cream. I'm, I'm a big fan. What's up, Brian? The uh, computer isn't plugged in. Oh, you lose power? There's a power cord in my uh, laptop bag. I might have critical failure here. I'm going to do something we've never done. I'm just going to hit pause real quick. I've never Maybe. paused it before. There you go. We've never paused it before. 
Right. Well, he's always been really, really generous and uh, generous to us, letting us do this here. Yeah, we're back. Uh, where did we leave off? Oh, I was talking about ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, yeah. Uh, before you dive deep, can you pull up the love languages? I want to see all the different, different oh, ones. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like the disc profile where yeah. you take a test and it take tells you what your love yeah. language you is. Yeah, your primary love language, then secondary, tertiary, so on and so forth. I don't know what comes after tertiary, quadiary. <laughs> and this is all so that the other person knows. So they know what your love language yeah. is. So they can communicate with you. And you can do it online. I don't know, are you guys, can they see this? Or yeah, I'm going gonna, oh. gonna, gonna, gonna to put it on screen capture okay. here. So we have the five love languages. Yeah, words of affirmation, gifts, and doing little things, acts of service, that's mine. Quality time, that's my wife's. Physical touch, it doesn't have to be. Uh, this is a PG show, so I don't want to. doesn't have PG-13, sexual intercourse. Yeah. Um, you know, pat on the back, that type of thing. Gotcha. But there, you should be able to, I think maybe this right here, if you click on that, you could do the test online instead of reading the book. So we're on 5lovelanguages.com. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Big couple of quiz. Oh, it looks just like discs. It's got yep. the four different colors. There you go. Perfect. Oh, they have a couple's quiz, yeah. teen's quiz, single's quiz, children's quiz. Oh, man. It's pretty legit, too. It's funny how these things work. There's, there's the science behind them. So you... You you're you're applying this to part of your team building. Too? Oh yeah, yeah. So on our on our, I got this from my coach. But on our on our desk, on my desk, there's a little, you know, a little postcard size piece of um, uh, heavy stock. It's got my disc profile on it, and it's got my love language. And I think it's got another one that they dug up, had me take a pop my team apology language, and it's got my birth date and my anniversary on there. So uh, we all know how to communicate with each other within the team. So it's funny, my two. Uh, uh, team members are pretty much mirror images of each other, but then I'm completely opposite of them, which works out well. <laughs> well, and, and we did, to be fair, we did a test, uh, what, like two and a half years ago yeah. with our did team? Did you guys do a love language test? No, no but tests? like our whole office took, uh, took a test. and um, We did the straight and, finders test. And, <laughs> and it oh, yes. really, like, as soon as, like, we found out, like, okay, our processor is this, and just like the way the communication happened after that was it was incredible how accurate it was the breakthrough for us and maybe this is true with the love language too was understanding when somebody's over operating in their strength mm -hmm. right and uh to understand that they're not doing it on purpose they're just maybe their um uh, maybe their strength is futuristic or vision Right, so they're over operating in that, and they're forgetting all the little details, or the opposite, where they get so stuck into the details mm -hmm. that they're not looking at the big picture. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine there's probably some uh, similarities with the, la the love language too. So you, so everyone, uh, does everyone have one of those cards on their desk? I've never noticed. Uh, just on my team. Just on your. Yeah, team. just my team. Yeah, hmm. we've done it. But I guess on my ice cream story. Okay, this is great. All right, tell the ice okay, cream story. Okay, so I, you know, I have, a, I have a penchant for a tissue, right? Like a little. Or just, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I think there's paper towels in there. <laughs> my nose is running. Damn kids get me sick. T tell your ice cream story. So, yeah, I'll tell my ice cream story. So, uh, big fan of ice cream, salt and straw, right? So, we'll get, a, we'll get salt and straw out of the pints in the fr fridge or freezer, excuse me. And uh, my wife went back to bed, and I just sat down in the kitchen, and I got one out and had a bite. And you know how one bite turns into two, and then all of a sudden the thing's done. Yeah. So, I put it in the garbage, and I thought to myself, maybe I should maybe put it a little deeper in the garbage. <laughs> so, it's right on top of the garbage can. <laughs> And then she goes in in the morning and she throws something away in the kitchen. She looks at it and she sees it. And then she goes, you had ice cream without me? If you wanted ice cream, you could have opened the fridge and the freezer and got your own ice cream and come and sat. No, you didn't tell me. You could have sat down with me and had ice cream. So that right there tells me, okay, she just wants the, the, the quality time. So sitting there having a bite of ice cream is more important to her than me not 
saying, hey, come have my ice cream. So was that before or after you, you read this book? Oh, no. This was just the other, the other day. Just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> this was a couple days ago. I think it was Monday night. No, it was, no, it was Sunday night. It was Sunday night. Because yeah. you got like four words into that, and I, I just stopped listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's what, that's what I would do. Just, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that. Uh, uh, you know, because we, we have a fairly new team, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, going through the growing pains and, oh. and trying to develop a system and transition. And, uh, you know, maybe let's talk about, can we talk about transition a little bit? Sure. Because uh, our companies went through a transition. We all went through it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, how come it seems like uh, it was so easy for you? So the, the, I haven't heard any pain, any uh, any struggles, any like, hey, this is what I did to overcome this. It was like you didn't skip a beat. Oh, there's pain, but you just got to mask it. <laughs> I'm sitting right I'm sitting right here right now, and my knee is killing me, but I'm asking it. You just yeah. got to deal with it. So It's not like we're standing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the You just you deal with what you deal with, you work with the hand you're dealt with. So you just have to deal with it. I, I can sit there and I can complain. And I can talk about how bad things are and how the system sucks and nobody's getting things done and nothing's moving. But what's that going to do? Mm-hmm. It's going to make me feel good just for a little bit, but it's not going to solve the problem. So I really try to focus on, even in life, in business too, but okay, we know what the problem is. What's the solution? Let's focus on the solution. Because if you're focusing on the problem, what are you focusing on? You're focusing on the past. Okay, the solution's the present. So I'm, I'm, I can only control what I can control, which is right now. I don't know what's going to happen an hour from now, tomorrow. Right, it's just, it's, it's just work on the, work, focus on the now. So you, there's, you can't let it get to you. Because if you let it get to you, then it creates paralysis. And then you do nothing. And then you're getting away from your daily disciplines. And then all of a sudden, you're stuck in that rut where you've got no business because you've been focusing on that one transaction. It's mm-hmm. got to go. It's got to go. I mean, for example, uh, just yesterday, we had a transaction that... It was uh, a lot of a lot of hair on it, but I'm very very happy that it worked itself out. But it was it was a three or four day of trying to find a way to make it work, and we made a way to we found a way to make it work. Single mother, first house. I mean, awesome. Um, we got what we needed yesterday, and I was so very uh, I was elated when I saw the email. I couldn't believe it. I sent out an Oprah meme, you know, <laughs> Oprah where Oprah's going like this, and then you can uh, you know put the little uh, little you can put yeah. the little captions on there. So I sent one of those out. That's how excited I was. Um, but if I would have just sat there and dwelled on that for the last three days, I would have got nothing done at all. I and mean, I wouldn't have done the prospecting that I needed to do, make the phone calls, do the analyses, meet with new clients, meet with new agents. None of that would have been done because I would have been focusing on that one problem. And how big of a part of your, how big of your, uh, of a part of that was your team being able to trust that they can handle that while you go out and work? Because it's all about balancing. Yeah. At that, at that point, the team was already out of it, and it was more of a corporate team helping out at that at that level. So, but my team, I trust them to get the job done. So I will will meet on a daily basis, and that's one of the key things I think that has allowed us to not you, you just tackle what needs to be tackled every day, and that's how you avoid having issues throughout the process because everybody knows what they need to do. Just do your job, things will work out, and I trust you to do your job. If you're not going to do your job, let's have a conversation. But again, I'm working hard. They're working hard. So there's mm-hmm. that level of respect there. They don't want to disappoint me, and I don't want to disappoint them. Good. What kind of questions do you have, Ryan? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about uh, how you got into your how you got started on your radio show. Oh, radio yeah. show! Hey, you hey. <laughs> taking me way back there. Yeah. That was uh, before I knew you. I heard the radio show. Yeah. at like uh, six in the morning on crack Sunday. Crack dawn. Yeah, that, that was our yeah. replay. We're so driving through the gorge. It was the uh, what was the most important hour of radio here on AM six twenty. 
Oh, the Aaron Coker Show. That's taking me back. That was, oh boy. So, was it called the Aaron Coker Show? I think, um, I think it may have been. God, this was three, four years ago when I last did that. Maybe four years ago. It was fun. First, for, I'm sure like for you guys, the first time you did this, you're like, <laughs> yeah. just nervous, reading everything word for word on your script. And then it was recorded. So you, if you could flub, you could go back. And we had a great producer, Rod, Rod McLaughlin. Love the guy. Uh, so he, we had a lot of fun with it. But I just got into it. Um, uh, I, I went to one of those big conferences, and they were talking about radio. So I thought, oh, I'll check it out. And it was more so it really didn't generate much business. What it did is solidify my relationship with my finan- my personal financial planner. Uh, he came on the show. We started doing it together. And then he took it over for the last year or so. So it wasn't really a, a revenue generator like it was mm-hmm. you know, marketed as. But it was fun for us. And it got, it got our name out there a little bit. Uh, just more financial stuff. We like to have a lot of fun, you know, kind of goof around. We'd have little bits. I think it was a half an hour. Was it a half an hour show? I don't know. You listened to it probably more than I did. <laughs> I think it was an hour. I feel it, like was it was an hour. an hour. Yeah, it was an hour. Yeah, that's right. Because we had the commercial break. Something. Yeah, because it's the most important hour for you here on uh, every Saturday at noon. <laughs> well, what about like the preparation that just went into each? Holy episode? Toledo! My God, that was the hardest part. Is the prep work. It was. A, it was half day of out of out of the business because you had to drive there in the morning. Get to the studio, you record, which is fun, and then you're driving back. But then prepping the night before, you're staying up late, you're doing all the research, you're reading articles. I mean, it's in the figure, okay, what am I going to talk about? So eventually we got to the point where we had little segments. So we knew what segment, what each segment was going to be about. And then you just get the content to fill the segment and go from there. And then my producer, uh, our producer, I should say, uh, Rod, he was, again, awesome. So he would do, we would do trivia bits, big fan of trivia. So he would do the trivia for us. And just have a lot of fun with it, and not take it too seriously. But it's it was it was a it was a, it was a good experience. I don't know if I'd ever do it again. Radio's a radio's a dying beast, right? Podcast evidence yeah. evidence right now. We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's probably lessons learned there. I know there's lessons learned on this show that we can apply. But one mm-hmm. one thing we've been talking about uh, recently on this podcast, um, and I don't know if I'm thinking too much into it, but it seems like if you can find uh, activities to do outside of work that require a similar skill set or a similar discipline or um, uh, learning curve uh, that it almost feels like uh, it's steel sharpening steel, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so maybe talk about when you got into cycling and uh, 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 CrossFit and some of the stuff you do there. And Again, use CrossFit loosely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, just want to, I just want to clarify that. I heard, I thought you guys started a, a competition. We did. Some of us finished it and some of us didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to say who. <laughs> but, I mean, do you think, do you, do you think that, uh, is that uh, intentional that Absolutely. you do? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think there's there's definitely a correlation between how you run your business life and how you run your um, personal life slash uh, activities, you know, hobbies. Mm-hmm. So if you, it's all about having a plan. So for me, when it comes to cycling, yeah, I was a big guy. Um, I wa- if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. I don't want to half-ass it. I don't want to show up and just, some people like to go out there and, I'm just going to ride the brace and just have fun. Ah, it's just not me. You know, I want to do what I can to win or help my team win or do the best I can. All right. I tell my daughter, she's uh, and one of my twins is um, in gymnastics. And gymnastics is pretty much an individual sport. So you can't focus on what the other girls are doing out there. And I just tell her, hey, don't do the best. Just do your best. Okay. If your best is good enough, fantastic. If it's not good enough, that's okay. You did your best. And keep working hard, and she understands that. And she had, we had a meet this weekend, we meeting her. 
I'm a gymnastics dad and a dance dad. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was able to get uh, uh, it was a state meet, and she was able to win state for her category wow. for uh, the floor. So that was really good. And she's always going around the house doing her floor routine, just walking around in her head, yeah. all of her steps. So she's really you know, dedicated and put the time in. But the same thing applies to even bike racing. So if I'm going to race bikes, I'm going to figure out, okay, how do I do this thing? I started racing bikes back in 2002 or three. And you see Lance on TV when Lance is big, and I want to be Lance. And I remember I got my first bike. It was great. And there's this hill behind my house at the time. I was wearing bike shorts, sneakers, uh, toe clips. So for those of us who grew up in the you know, 80s, 90s, toe clips, you just slide your foot in there, and you get to pull the strap down, and you got toe clips. So not even shoes or, or cleats and pedals. And you know, a flowy T-shirt and a bike helmet. And there was this hill behind my house. It's not like a, maybe 100 meters, 150 <laughs> meters. But I was so I was like, fuck yeah, man, I made it up that thing. I'm awesome. <laughs> just thinking back, I mean, it's just and you go down, your T-shirt in the wind, <laughs> which is so the antithesis of of cycling, where you just don't want any drag and you want everything as tight as possible. But that's kind of the start of it. And then you, you kind of get around people. I mentioned mentors earlier mm-hmm. who know what they're doing. And you learn Bill Cass uh, from cycling. He I learned everything I know about cycling pretty much from Bill Cass and just listening and suffering. And this is how you do this. And this is how you ride in a pace line. And this is how you rotate in and out and stay back here and attack here. And if you're in a crit, you want to be in the top 10 with 10 laps to go and just start working your way up every lap. So just learning the process. No different than business, right? There's a process to it. Uh, you got to figure out the process. You got to implement the process and just getting better and better and better. And then you go out there and you compete. And if you win, great. It's your day. If you don't win, you competed. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why you can stay so consistent with the stuff that's not exciting? Because it, it seems like you get to a point where it kind of can get stale and routine and not exciting anymore. Do you think that taking on challenges that require a similar discipline outside of work remind you how important that is? Or I, I think it just gives you some balance in life where not everything, because if, you're, if all your time is just spent in the office working, 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 and you don't have anything outside of the office, you don't have that balance. Mm-hmm. But I, I, would, I would also say that you can take that, how you apply things in the office, to other areas in your life. You know? So whether it be doing the CrossFit or working out or just setting goals for yourself. I mean, that's, I'm, you know, I got to set a goal. Okay, what do I want to do? What's my goal going to be? How am I going to, okay, can I do uh, 10 pull-ups? Okay, that's a goal. Right? I can do 10 pull-ups. And not the fancy the kipping, kipping those aren't, those aren't real pull-ups. <laughs> We're talking the David Griggs type of pull-ups, right? Yeah. So, you know, you set that goal. I remember when I first uh, started to kind of get away from the cycling thing just because it takes so much time out of your day. I mean, it's a lot. If you want to be good, you have to train to be good. And it's when you have time to train, you're, you're light, you're skinny. That's a big thing in cyclists. Mm-hmm. You, you, cyclists love it when you go up to them and say, oh, you're looking skinny, you're looking good. <laughs> looking, looking fit. You're looking fit, yeah. Yeah, you kind of got a little gaunt face. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking back in some pictures when I was really, I mean, for me, skinny. Like we're talking one, 190 or so, which is light, light, light. I haven't been that since, I don't know, junior high, maybe high school. Wow. Uh, but just going, man, I was skinny, 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 skinny. You're really skinny. That, that's kind of the goal for a cyclist is to be skinny. But when you're tra- transitioning out of that and now you put 10 pounds or 15 pounds on, your body changes. I couldn't do a pull-up, man. I, I just... I got a pull-up bar and I could not do a pull-up. My body wasn't, I just hadn't worked those muscles. So I got the straps, okay, little granny straps. So you just have the the different color straps, different tension. Granny straps? Uh, I don't know, what what do you call them? (laughs) I mean, that's close enough, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you just get in there, you stick your knee 
in the strap so it gives you the support. It's like when you do the pull-ups, the, the machine they have at the gym where you put your knees on the machine yeah. and it's got the weight. So you feel like it can do it. You're like he super, says that like I go to the gym, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you're super, like you're Superman when you're doing pull-ups. But uh, just you know, put the knee in the little granny strap, and it, you switch out one strap, you put another strap on the bar, <laughs> <laughs> the bar, and you just start working your way till eventually you're not using any straps, and all of a sudden you can do a pull-up. So it's just again, it's no different, right? Setting a goal. Okay, what's my goal? Ten pull-ups. All right, how do I get to that point? I got to start somewhere. So the, it's going to be painful. But I gotta, I gotta embrace that pain, and know that is the more I embrace it, the easier it'll get, and eventually, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm gonna hit that goal. Same in the same in business. I know I have to make my phone calls. I know I have to see a certain number of people. It's just a numbers game. I know I need to get a certain number of leads if I want to close X amount of deals, and that's what I have to focus on. So when you set your goal, are you working backwards from that to identify those, those metrics? So from a business. Um, Yes, I for me for business wise, I I don't necessarily have I don't have I needed to close X number of loans goals. I I tend to think a little bit bigger in that uh, uh, for right now my, I got a goal that I want to have X amount in the bank okay by the end of the year. So that's my that's right here. I need to have I need to save this much more money to get to this point by the end of 2019. So that's always in the front of my mind. It's right here. I mean in, always always. And so I know that if this is here. I need to do everything else to get to this point. And no different than, I, I really believe, uh, we've talked about this, Ryan, just the whole visual, visualization. Mm-hmm. The more you think about something, the more you visualize it, it will become your reality. If you think negatively, negative thoughts, life sucks, woe is me, bullshit, life's going to suck. But if mm-hmm. you think positively, like, fuck, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get to that point. This is what I want in life for me and my family. Then you're going to have it. But you have to be willing to sacrifice suffer, deal with the pain to get what you want. And then it's that much sweeter when you do suffer and when you do sacrifice to, to eventually get to that point. So uh, we talk, you're talking about sacrifice. One thing that you you're talk to me a lot about or talk about in general when I hear you is uh, work-life balance mm-hmm. and how you have a lot going on in your personal life, a lot going on in your work life, and you've kind of maxed out this good balance. If, to you, is, is work-life balance more of time allocation or what what makes a good work life balance for you well i don't have a choice that's kind of when you have four kids you got to be you got to be at home and my wife uh, bless her heart she's awesome she takes care of the babies i've got a 2 year old and then a basically a 1 year old at this point and then i've got twins who are older 12 so there's a lot of shuffling kids from point a to point b activities moving them all over the place so i can't be at work until 6 o'clock at night and I can't, and I don't like the word can't. I could. I don't like to use can't. That's one thing in my house that I told my kids a couple years ago, we're not going to say can't. I don't want anybody to say can't. All right. Because that's negativity. That's self-defeating right there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what what it is. I can't pick that up. I can't. I can't just use a different terminology than I can't. Say it's probably a little too heavy. Can you help me? It's different than I can't. Okay. So sure. we, we strike that from our vocabulary. Sorry, I got on a tam- tangent no, there. No, no, that's good. Um, so the, the b- whole balance piece if you know, I guess if you know what you want out of your job, find a way to get that done in the amount of time you have available at your job. So we are all basically self-employed. That's where I mean, we're W-2 employees, but we're basically self-employed people. And a lot of the people who might be listening to this podcast, realtors or whomever, are self-employed. So you have X amount of hours in a day, I was, uh, and you, you can work. That's what I do. So if I'm going to be working from 9 to 4, 
Thursdays I work from nine to three basically because I have to be home early so my wife can go teach dance and then I can watch the babies. I need to get as much as I possibly can get none in that, what is it, seven hours, five hours, four, three? Six. Help me out, six. <laughs> nine <laughs> to three. I, I, hit it up, I hit it on both ends. <laughs> I didn't hit them. I'm good with numbers, let me tell you. Uh, so, I, you know, just make the most of the hours you have available. I don't think there needs to be a set amount of hours. I don't work 40 hours a week. It's just not in the cards right now for me. But when I do work... I'm working. I'm not fucking around. I'm not on the internet. I'm not walking around the office. I mean, I will take little breaks. I think it's good for morale just to be out and about with your with your team and your crew mm-hmm. in the office. But when I'm there, I'm working. And I see people who are watching stuff on their other screen, and like, dude, go home or or just you're here work. Get mm-hmm. out, get out in the field, make some phone calls, do something. But I got to work, man. I got that's just, that's how I roll. I don't want to waste time. But it, when I when I do go over to your office and if I'm working, I feel that. And it's good. That's good energy to be around, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the last thing I would ever do in your office is go into your office and start BSing with you, because mm-hmm. I know that that's not on your schedule to BS you. you, you <laughs> BS time. Yeah, but but it's, you, it's good to BS. But you do schedule time for it. Like you have your your meetings once a week, mm-hmm. where uh, every Monday, where your staff gets to talk about their weekend and yeah. kind of get some stuff off, and it's dedicated time for that. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest things that I did and implemented it wasn't my idea and nothing I do is my idea I don't have any I'm not a very original guy I'll just take something somebody else has done and go, oh, that works I'm gonna do it um, so I yeah we implemented uh, every Monday where the whole group comes together and they take a few minutes to share what they did over the weekend and I really think it's great because you've got some people that don't dock at all in the office mm-hmm. and it forces them to interact with their team members and communicate with their team members. And some people that do talk a lot, but it gives them an opportunity to kind of have a, a floor and feel important and feel part of something. And we just joke around. We just, yeah, we just, it's like a little Aaron Coker comedy hour, I feel like sometimes <laughs> in there. When we're, going, we're going around the room, just little jabs here and there. But it does start the day off, right? Oh, the yeah. Off right. And it eliminates the need for me to come ask you how your weekend was mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock when you're working. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it eliminates, I would assume it eliminates a lot of those distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good. I like I like what you said about work life balance. I know, for me, I did a, the exercise in work life balance by time blocking, and then I kind of came to the realization that it's not for me. It's not necessarily time blocking. It's not exercise in time blocking. It's in my happy in my personal life and my work life. Mm-hmm. And and watching my wife kind of go through that, she kind of learned that she's happier in her personal life if she's succeeding and hitting goals at work. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily, I need to work this many hours and spend this many hours with my family or outside of work for us anyways. But it's, am I uh, succeeding, which makes me happy? Because when she was, she, she, uh, our daughter was like four. So she scaled back the hours she was working and Mm -hmm. kind of her responsibilities and her personal life suffered instead of, improving because she wasn't getting that satisfaction of uh reaching goals and having that success mm-hmm. and so as soon as she made that change where she took on a lot more responsibility and was outside of her comfort zone she became immediately happier happier in her personal life oh yeah and so uh you know part part of coaching is the work-life balance and we talked about building champions earlier i'm getting to a point where I'm realizing that it's not about planning out your, your life story and all that stuff. It's more, uh, for example, I have a friend, he's super happy in his personal life. 
He works for the post office, which there's no goal setting in the, in the no. post office. The, the goal is when can I retire? Yeah, the goal is when you can retire. And for him, that gives him the satisfaction in his personal life. Mm-hmm. So uh, in a way, he's kind of figured it out. Uh, but for me, and I, I think a lot of people in our job, it's there. you have the entrepreneurial spirit, that drive. You got to have both. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. If and I'm if I'm not happy at the office, it's going to bleed in to the home life, mm-hmm. which is not good. Uh, so I need to make sure that I do what I need to do so I can feel good about myself. Because what what do we do as human beings? We usually we usually bag on somebody else because of our own insecurities. So we're gonna. If we're not happy about ourselves, we're going to find a way to pick apart someone else. And I'm guilty of that, and I don't like it about myself, but it's, it's kind of how we are as human beings. So if you can recognize that, number one. And then number two, if you're, if you're, not, being, if you're not getting the results you want at work, okay, find a way to, to get those results. Take a step back and figure out what am I doing, what's not working. I want to find happiness in the office because I know if I'm happy at work, I'm going to be happy at home. But I know if I'm not happy at work and I go home, I'm going to be thinking about work. It's hard to separate the two. I mean, you can say all you want about, oh, they work at work. And I mean, you, you've got, you can't, you can only control your thoughts so much mm-hmm. before they overtake you. And you can only push so much aside, but it's still going to be there. I mean, we, I know we've all lost sleep over transactions for clients where you wake up and you go, Jesus, I mean, that happened to me last week, you know, five, five in the morning. Ryan's probably three in the morning. <laughs> he's, he's waking up. But you're just sitting there going, oh, man, I can't fall back asleep. You're just thinking about the individual and the deal. Oh, how are you going to find a way to make it work and put this thing together? But yeah, it, it, it's personal fulfillment, it's, I think, is it's the key thing. So it's, if you have the fulfillment from work, that's, that's great. If you have, it's, yeah. have you ever struggled with insomnia at all? No, I have no problem no. sleeping. Yep. No, I, just, I can barely keep my eyes open. I'm, I read at night and... I'm doing this and doing this, and then finally shut the iPad and go to sleep. I, I it's been a, oh, it's been awful for really? about for about a year. How and recently? Just, now? Yeah, all the time. Really? What's yeah. what do you think it is the uh, the cause? I don't know. Um, you know they have things for that nowadays. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I use the the Costco sleeping pills, and those work, but it makes the morning tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just my mind just won't turn off. And then so I'll stop thinking about work and because I'm thinking, oh, I just I'm just got so much work stuff on my mind that mm-hmm. I can't turn it off. So I'll, I'll go, OK, I'm not going to think about work anymore. And then so I start thinking about fly fishing and then my mind just rolls on fly fishing. So it's not work that's keeping me up. <laughs> just active, it's just active mind. I don't know what it is. And I'm, I get home and I'm like, all right, I could go to sleep right now. And then I get lay in bed and. And there's so much research out there. You probably know a little bit about this, Ryan and Cody, but just on the the value of sleep. I know oh, for longevity. <clears throat> yeah, just getting your. And there's. I don't think there's a set number of eight hours of sleep, right? I think we're all different. Our our physiology is a little bit different individually. So some need more and less. I mean, do you feel that you're dragging your ass? Absolutely. Yeah? I went through last fall because uh, you, you do uh, some fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a fast every every spring during Lent, and I skipped it last year. Uh, and so I did it in the fall instead. And I remember how well I slept and how easy it was to, to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And it felt so good. And so I thought I found the cure. It's just this fast and health in general. Just don't diet. eat. Yeah, don't eat. <laughs> and, uh, but I did. I slept awesome. And, uh, and then I got off the fast. And then I started it again. 
and did not get the same results. So I don't know. I'm going to go see a sleep doctor. Have you, have you looked at your diet? I mean, you've broken that down? Because if you're on the yeah. fast, you're obviously taking stuff out of the body. So maybe there's something that you're putting in the body that's not, your body's not. It. I don't know. I thought it was caffeine because I'm a heavy coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. And when I did my last fast, I cut out coffee too altogether. Coffee, alcohol, and uh, food. And uh, I thought that's what it was. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Did the, but it, it's not good. Insomnia is not good. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like, uh, like last night, uh, I went to bed at uh, 9.30, right? Because mm-hmm. we had to get up early this morning. I was a little under the weather. Uh, uh, turned the TV off about 10. Turned the TV on again at 11. Watched the new Montlake Crew movie. Ooh. Uh, watched uh, some you, Good Eats. Do you have a TV in your bedroom? Yeah. Oh. You don't have a TV in your bedroom? No, we have two TVs. They're both in TV rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have a TV in every room? I have a TV in my bathroom. Oh, my. You're dropping a deuce. You got the TV? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so you can watch Monday Night Football in in the bathtub or news in the shower. Uh, Do you have a TV in your bathroom? (laughs) Not in my bathroom. Or not in your bathroom, but in your bedroom you do. Yeah, my wife and I, we go to sleep watching some type of a brainless show like The Office or Parks and Rec or something, you know, just to, you know, like with our job, like. If, if I just lay down there and it's just dead silent, then mm-hmm. I'll just start running through my day and what I got going on tomorrow, and it'll, yes. be, a, it'll be a rabbit hole. I guess I'm pretty thankful that I don't have any sleep issues. But you oh. read, do you read every night before you go to bed? Yeah, I'll read, I'll read books. Yeah, a lot of books. I think I'm going to switch that. I think I'm going to turn the TV off and I have it on and try books. Yeah, that's, uh, it, works, it works for me. I've, yeah, I've tried the TV in bed, like on the iPad, but it's just, I'd just rather read something mm-hmm. and just yeah, go from there. So what are you reading now? It's uh, are you? Oh, you I fo- just you focus on I, all over the place. So the, with the, with coaching, they, they have us read books. Uh, so I just finished a book called Pound the Stone. Great story if you're looking for it um, on Amazon. Amazon bestseller, but it's kind of a f- parable, fable, fable type. One of the shorter, you know, tell a little story, but have a lot of messages within the story. That was a good one. Uh, I just finished. I think it's called Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. That was a long book. Almost nine eight hundred and fifty two or sixty two wow. pages on business development and personal development. No, just World War One. Oh, there you go. <laughs> looked at different families, uh, kind of followed a family, uh, some aristocracy in Russia and Germany and England, yeah. and then some um, lower level classes in in Wales and the U.S. and kind of how they all intertwine. And it's a three part series. Did it so. cover like the Bolshevik Revolution and that? Oh kind yeah, of stuff? yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, the Bolsheviks. Yeah, they were in there. Yeah, yeah. Trotsky, Lenin, or or. Figure, figureheads. Uh, Churchill was in there. Lloyd George. So it's um, all those. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. So now it's on to the second book. And I don't know if I want to. It's, I mean, it's it's. I got to start what I finish, right? So it's. <laughs> it's this one's like little nine hundred plus pages, man. It's so it, it takes me a while, to, you know, a month plus to get through something like that. Yeah. Of just focusing and reading and sitting down and reading some more. But we did go see Us last night. The movie Us. Is it a theater movie? It's a theater movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a live action film. <laughs> it's a it's a talkie. Okay. But it's one of the blower films, uh, you know, from Jordan Peele, like uh Get Out. You guys didn't see it won like best director he won best director last year for it. You know Key and Peel, who, who they are? Yeah. I pay $12 a month for Netflix. I can't afford to go to the movie theater. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but, they're the comedians, right? Ken, yeah, Key and Peel. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, Balaki. Yeah. Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had a client get me a mug, coffee mug. Uh, they sent me one. It's, it's that teacher going, Aaron, and it's got the picture of him on the mug and kind of. So good. The, but yeah, us, man. That's a, whew, that's a scary one. Is uh, it, oh. It's not a comedy, I do. No, no, no. But they're comedians. 
he's well Jordan Pe- well yeah they did the show but Jordan Peele wrote produced and directed this movie gotcha. so it's it's a horror genre and is he the skinnier guy no he's uh, the, the shorter the shorter yeah, chubbier darker, guy yeah glasses one of the glasses yeah I don't I don't do scary movies oh it's yeah I don't there's I, a scary movie oh yeah yeah the first forty five minutes probably where I wanted to leave <laughs> I was like I'm looking at my wife why the hell we come here man this is this is stupid let's just go <laughs> scared <laughs> yeah I, yeah it's just the suspenseful. You're just sitting there waiting to okay, what's going to happen next? And then eventually the kind of story opens up a little bit, and it's not as not as bad. But man, he yeah, no, not a scary movie guy. Uh, did watch like I said, did watch the new Motley Crue documentary just came out on uh, on Netflix. Uh, I'm usually able to pull like business lessons and life lessons out of movies. What are you going to pull? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Mainline in the JD. Just yeah. Stuff. It, it was kind of like the Queen movie. Did you see the Queen movie? Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was great. So it's very similar feel, the the new, the new uh, Motley Crue one. Uh, it's really, do not watch it with your kids in the room. Okay. Good to know. Is, yeah. that, is it a doc? It's a doc? The opening or scene. It's a doc. Yeah. It's just like Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, so it's actually actors? Yeah, actually actors. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah. And I think... I think they did it the same where, like in Bohemian Rhapsody, they played the Queen music when they were singing. Mm-hmm. So they like were lip singing in the movie to gotcha. the actual music. I think it's the same in this, in this movie. But, uh, but yeah, that was a different time, eighties and hair bands. Yeah, what did I hear? I read a story that uh, the oh, what did he do? The lead, one of the the guy who started Megadeth, which is Dave Mustaine. Yeah, he was part of. Uh, he was in. Um, Metallica. Yeah, and he got kicked out. They, yeah. And when they're going to record now, when they said, hey, it's time for you to go. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, because he had major uh, drugs and alcohol problem. Okay. And that was, uh, they're like, you can't, you're done. I, th- I still think he's not happy about, I'm like happy, I think the, the moral was, I think he's still not happy in life about that whole Metallica no. thing. And he's still, it's still driving him. It's crazy because Megadeth is one of the most successful got, speed metal bands of all time. They got their own plane, right? This yeah. Is, yeah. They're on tour right now. I'm going this summer to see them open for Ozzy. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because Metallica came out that documentary in like 2003 or four. Um, uh, what was it called? Say Anger, I think. Don't know. But uh, so th- if you haven't seen it, can you, can you try pulling it up? I want to get it right. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's Metallica, this hardcore, badass group of guys, and they bring a counselor with them on the road, like a psychologist, yeah. to help keep them all together. Uh-huh. And it's the most unmetal thing you've well, ever well, seen. Behind the scenes? Yeah. And it's just like, grow up. You know, you, you got a counselor trying to help them work, talk through their problems and their anger towards each other. And then Dave Mustaine comes in and with the counselor there talks about... Um, is it the, some uh, kind of monster? Kind That's of monster. It, yeah. Uh, talk talks about uh, getting kicked out of the band, and I, I don't want to say he cried, but it was like he was on the verge of tears talking about this and how much it hurt him to be kicked out of the band. But at the same time, if he wasn't kicked out of the band, we wouldn't have had Megadeth or Metallica or Metallica. Or the, yes. Who did they replace him with? James Hetfield. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you, I love. Him. I love. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I just I uh, when I work out if it's a hard workout <clears throat> I'll do the Metallica essentials from iTunes that's kind of that's my background music one is probably one of my favorite Metallica oh, songs yeah. it's about seven minutes so if I'm doing an interval in the trainer I know different it's kind of split up in the three sections the song is so I know where wherever I'm in the song how much time I have left and just sit there <laughs> and listen to music and suffer uh, when uh, I was I was going through uh, this big routine 
2016. 2016 was a great year in business for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd get to the work, look at the office every morning at 7, and from 7 to 8.30 was my time where I could work on anything I wanted to work on, right? And my routine was a rock star, sit down and put on Foreclosure of a Dream by Megadeth. And just because they sing about foreclosures and the pain of foreclosures and what it's done to America and everything. This mm-hmm. is during the 80s, you know, the height, height of uh, the high interest rates. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but that was my deal. Is, uh, it was the same. I knew about how long it was. And every morning I listened to Foreclosure Over There. It is Foreclosure Over There. Oh, come on. How to buy and find foreclosed homes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. There's so many programs out there like this. Get rich quick, right? Give right. me $5,000 and I will show you how to get rich. So and retire. I think you already answered this. You you, you said um, uh, uh, income savings charity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and maybe maybe that's the answer. Is uh, uh, why is success important to you? Do you think those three things define why being successful is important to you? I think they are a part of it i don't think money can define success i don't think uh how much money you make or how much money you save is a definition of success i think everybody has a def- different definition of success mine might be different than someone else's what's yours of success yeah. oh he's oh, now you making me think i should have done a little preparation i didn't prepare for this question well it's the hunt for success oh man. oh all right well well okay so you can do it in this order you can tell us your definition or you can think about it and tell us the buffalo story you can do it in <laughs> any order you want <laughs> you mean the bison the american bison yeah. over there oh i love it T- I, so, I, I got so excited when i saw tatanka uh i think my definition of success would be setting a goal for yourself and attaining that goal all right so it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the top producer having the most money, but it's just setting a goal and attaining it. Okay, mm-hmm. going through the struggles to get to that point because there's always there's always going to be struggles when it comes to hitting your goals, but it feels so good. This is what I tell my kids, and it's a, it's a, you know this was a big thing a couple years ago. Carol Dweck mindset the book is an, or or the other one about well hers 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 her book more so. Um, just about having the, that growth mindset of being not being afraid to fail. I think we, for the longest time, parents want their kids to be perfect, and they have to be do the best, and they have to be the best, and they cannot make any mistakes. But you have to realize that you, those who make mistakes and they learn from mistakes are probably going to be a little bit better off than those who don't learn how to make mistakes. whose parents are always there for them, catching them when they fall. So if you can... Understand the fact that, hey, in order for me to grow, I need to learn from, it's just, it's age old, right? Nothing changes over time. It's always the same old stories. Mm-hmm. But just learn from your mistakes and get better each time. Get up. It's like a kid learning how to walk. They're going to fall. Like Didi, yesterday, poor guy. <laughs> I let him go a little bit too early. Didi's our, our son. And uh, he did a face plant. And those hands didn't get out in time on the carpet. <laughs> and, oh, you just, it was one of those, <laughs> for about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, kicking the legs. But nothing's coming out. <laughs> But then you just get him up. He's he's okay after a little bit. And just get him hanging. Start him walking again. And that's how it is. I think Blair, uh, what Blair fell. In. Oh, I remember, I remember when uh, the twins, Avery. She, we were at a pool, at a friend's house, and uh, I look. We were right all right there. And I looked over, and she's gone. So she had stepped off a step and oh. went under. And it was it was only for a few seconds, but got her out. And then the first thing we did, get right back in. Yeah, jump in. Okay. You, you had a failure, get up, do it again. So for me, that's it. I think that kind of sums up what success means. It's just 
setting something, setting a goal for yourself, and then achieving that goal. Well, that definition really goes kind of full circle to how we started talking about your your discipline and routines and and doing the boring, not the non exciting stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I like that a lot. So uh, bison, buffalo. Oh, you want to tell the buffalo yeah, story? <laughs> if you want, my employees hate you, this. You don't have a patent on it, do you? I do not have a patent. It, it comes from a book, so I can't I uh, can't take credit for it. I think the book is uh, "Take the Stairs" by Rory something or other. Great book, though. I, I really enjoy that book. One of my favorites. Um, but the story goes that when a storm rolls over the Rockies, heading west to east, so heading east. What the cow will do when the cow sees the storm in the plain states coming, the cow will run from that storm. But eventually that storm catches up with the cow. And now the cow is stuck in the storm, and he's still running, but he's still stuck in the storm. So what the cow has done, he's sacrificed long, uh, short-term gain for long-term pain. Right? But the buffalo, or the bison, as we call it, because buffalo are not part of They're not uh, indigenous to the states. They're bison in the states. Buffalo are in uh, Africa and Asia. Uh, the that takes some it's, guts to it's, it's uh, actually to correct us in a museum. It's actually bison bison. If you is that the technical uh, the, the, bison, is that species? Bison. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's the it's the Asian water buffalo, and I think there's a Cape buffalo. I think are the two <laughs> big ones. Um, but what the buffalo, what the bison does is it runs into the storm. Okay, so instead of running from the storm, it runs into that storm, and eventually the storm passes over that bison, and he's in the clear. So he's sacrificed short term pain for long term gain. And that's all business is. If you can just deal with the, the short-term pain with the vision for that long-term gain, good things will happen. I love it. It's good. I like it every time you tell it. I, a lot of times I'll incorporate sound effects, do. But I, <laughs> I was surprised you did. A, a little moo. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know what a bison or buffalo sounds like. So I gotta go figure that one out. Oh, dude, it's it's throaty. It's is it really throaty? It's, it's a growl. It's a growl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I was gonna ask is uh, kind of. We've been talking about love languages, personality types. Um, Cody and I have talked about a, lo- a, a lot about this in the past uh, on other episodes, and uh, the way we set goals is very different. And I was actually thinking about it this morning, not even related to the podcast. Um, I like to set uh, more attainable goals, mm-hmm. but they're still they're they're big, mm-hmm. but they're attainable for me. Um, my brain can't handle these just uber to me unrealistic goals like i I can't handle that Mm -hmm. cody likes to set these really big audacious goals and then if he comes up short he's okay with that whereas i'm i'm not okay if i don't hit my goals so i don't set them so low towards like ah that was easy check it off um you seem like the type where you're gonna set a really big goal and you know, still try to accomplish it, but be okay if you come up a little bit short. Yeah, I think that's the growth mindset there. It's it's okay to fail. It's okay not to hit your goal, but we're, I, th- I think you're selling yourself short, not to say you are, but I think if you, if you set your goal to something that it's easily attainable, that's something you know you can't, that, that you're not going to fail, all right, you're just, you're giving yourself an out on that. So I'm going to... No, and I think I'm somewhere in the middle of that, yeah, though. Yeah. And I'm not saying you personally, yeah, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. I'm just saying you as No, a, it's just, it's, it's interesting that everybody's going to be a little bit different <clears> in the way they're going to try to accomplish a task. Yeah. And it, but it goes back to what, why, that why. What are you doing mm-hmm. it for? So if you have a reason why, okay, then it makes it easier to have that big goal in mind. Because we, uh, we can be very self-limiting in our thoughts, in our beliefs, and we can be our own worst enemy, enemies. 
enemy enemy. We can be our own worst enemies, right? Be your own worst enemy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus, I let me tell you a story about that one day. <laughs> Last year, Whew, that was the worst. Um, <laughs> so you can be your your own worst enemy. So I think that uh, even if you set a big goal, it's 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 there. It's that visualization piece. It's in. It's. I mean, it's. It's hard to. We've been. Our society wants us to think that money is not important and you can't set monetary goals and I think that's bullshit because if you have money you've got options and if you've got options you can do things with your money and if you've got money you can do things you can help other people out mm-hmm. and I've been been fortunate not that I have a lot of money but I've been fortunate in this career to, to be somewhat successful and it's given me the opportunity to help people out directly and I know I've made a big impact on their life because of what I've been able to do in this job over the years. And if you can think of it like that, the money is not a bad thing. Money is an op- it gives you the choice to help people, to help your family, to help other family members in need. That should then that may help you drive help drive you to that why to get that closer. To why am I doing this? Why why is it important for me to make X? Why is it important for me to make a million dollars? Or why is it important for me to make five hundred grand? Or why is it important for me to have a hundred grand in cash? Okay, there's there's reasons why. So if you can define that in your mind then it's easier for you to that to become your reality. You start thinking it, you start visualizing it. I, I, I tell you guys, if you visualize, if you just think about it, it will become your reality. I mean, it, the more you think you come within a create an obsession in your mind, like this is what I want and this is why I want this, and it's always there, everything else will come easier. I think that's exactly what Nikki Six's girlfriend told him in the beginning. Oh, see, <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, I think yeah. that that's the one, uh, the one correlation there with the Motley Crue documentary. Um, the video that we're going to watch today for Midweek Motivator, uh, the, the guest, and I, I won't do any spoiler alerts, but she talks about uh, saying, like, she's, she didn't say, I want to be a millionaire every single day. Every single day she said, I am a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, through her journaling, just saying, put, putting out there ultimately what she wanted to be, but it was, it, she spoke it as in present tense. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Again, not past, not future, present. How do you feel about affirmations? Like Stuart Smiley. Gosh darn it. People <laughs> like me. Can you pull that up, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> Good old Al Franken. Um, I think it's important. I, I uh, Personally, I, I came up with one. I uh, read the book um, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. I don't know how I came across it. And then in the course of reading that thing front to back, uh, he talked about his journaling. So I started doing his journaling. Okay, so I got a little notebook out, and I just kind of copied what he did. And then all of a sudden, one of my coaches sent me what's called a five-minute journal. And I opened it up. I'm like, what the fuck, man? This is <laughs> the exact same thing I've been doing in a notebook on my own. And it's all all out there for you. So three you know, before I came here every morning three um three things I'm grateful for uh three things I want to accomplish this day and then an affirmation so for me I had a hard time initially being proud of myself okay so I made a point of time are you, are you, are you making that up no I'm being serious <laughs> no, I'm being serious just being just be accepting what I have yeah and accepting that what I've done is good enough so I, it's just that's that was my kind of my little thing is it's not not being good enough well, that's a big struggle that people have. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would always I write down, I'm proud of the man I become. All right, because I because sometimes I think the negative thoughts can slip in, or you can absolutely. Oh, I got divorced and uh, I didn't do a good enough job for my kids, and uh, you know, I, I, on my second marriage, got divorced when my twins were, uh, they were one, they're now twelve. So 
there's there can be a lot of negativity that creeps in. But when, by doing that, that just tells me, you know, Aaron, you are you are you you do you've done a good job in life. Okay, you are good enough. And just telling myself that that I am good enough. I've done. So yeah, I, I strongly believe in the affirmation piece. Is that something you guys do or write down? Or? I did. I did the miracle morning routine for about six months, mm-hmm. which for me to commit to something like that, six months is a long time. A lot of I I think that was a success. But yeah, I would do it in the parking lot before I go into the office. Mm-hmm. Do some affirmations. I've gotten away from it, and <clears throat> I think I'm going to start doing it again. Yeah. And well, and the fact that you do it every morning, even this morning, right? Uh, where you had to drive across the river to come over here, you still made time to do your three affirmations. Yeah, yeah. Or th- yeah. You, you, was it affirmations or three no. things you're grateful? So for? three things I'm grateful for, and then uh, three things I want to accomplish today, and then my affirmation, mm-hmm. and then the way you end it is. In the, it, and I usually, I usually I don't do it at night, but you're supposed I do it in the, in the next morning. But then you three great things that happened, three amazing things that happened today, and then what could you have done better? And you do that the following morning. Yeah. yeah, or you can you know, do it in bed if you want to, but I just do it in the following morning. But then I'll sit there sometimes like, what happened? Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea for me. <laughs> yeah. What happened yesterday that was good? Yeah. I'll sit there yeah. for about five minutes, five minutes, and try to think about uh, you know what it what it might have been. But it helps. I mean, I've um, I found that you can if you don't, if I don't do it and then I'm hurried and I let other things creep in, then it just ruins the day. One thing I love to do is when I go in the when I go in the door in the office. I come in with a smile. I come in happy, mm-hmm. and I come in having fun. Okay, I, I like. There's certain people that you know that we work with that yeah, yeah they're tough to crack. <laughs> they are tough to crack. But I, yeah, my job is to crack them, to make them smile, make them laugh. Because I know if they're happy and they're smiling and laughing, even if things are tough, okay, it's gonna it's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna get through this. Awesome. What do you got, yeah, up here? Stuart? Oh. Oh, oh yeah, we can we we can we can hit this screen capture real quick. Like, oh yeah, we've gone high tech. We've uh, figured out how to play the audio. Oh, in the in the mic, oh, man. but but not necessarily recording. Of I refuse to beat myself up. <laughs> I am an attractive person. <laughs> I am fun to be with. You know, the thing about affirmations is you feel goofy when you start doing it. Like you feel like him. Yeah. But then it does set your mind. It does. It's amazing how it changes your mindset. Yeah. Is there a reason you stopped doing the Miracle Morning? Or when, when were you doing it? Actually, this was uh, 2015. Okay. And then I stopped. Wh- why? I just fell off the wagon. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. And for me, uh, you know, people say they that you veer off of good habits or you veer off. For me, it's just I skip once and then I'm done. Gotcha. That's maybe that's why the best diet for me is fasting. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's healthy because it's not healthy. Although fasting's great, they're trying to say it's more healthy. But oh, fasting's awesome. It drives Ryan nuts when I do it mm-hmm. um, because I do. I I would eat just once a day. Yeah, look up a guy, uh, Jason Fung. F U N G. There's a lot more studies going on about the intermittent fasting yeah. and whatnot that's right what, now. When I started, it wasn't the the whole. Uh, um, uh, Good, good to fight cancer and perfect mm-hmm. cancer and all that stuff. That was this. I started it seven years ago. Oh, yeah, that's before any of this. Before the, yeah. yeah, before the fads. And yeah. the the only reason I would do it is because that was the best diet for me. Because the not eating diet. The not eating because <laughs> it was just really simple uh-huh. and uh, it was easy to stick with. Yeah, uh, eat it for a week. No, I would do it from uh, Super Bowl through Easter. Well, hold on, no, I mean no. Super Bowl through Easter is a long time because he he eat, he ate dinner. Okay, so one, would, one, meal, yeah. one meal a day. He would one get all of his calories in at night. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I've done I've done um, 
I usually do three day fast once a quarter, mm-hmm. and I've done a five day. And that That's was tough. That was hard. Let me tell you, that was. Ooh. But once you get past that certain point, it's kind of, it, it's okay. It's usually that second day is the toughest day. First day is not bad at all. It's kind of you, you're just you're excited, you're motivated, you're ready to go. It's like marathon. I've never been a marathon, but maybe I imagine mar- marathon training. No way. That's on my to don't list. I've got a to don't list. But. Um, uh, yeah, marathon training. You know, you're excited. You're getting out there. You're running your miles. You're feeling really good. Then you're going to get hurt eventually. That's that's Tuesday is when you get hurt. <laughs> training yeah. for a marathon when it comes to fasting. It's tough. That second day is tough. Yeah, I, doing doing a multi-day fast would be would be hard. But when you do the long-term once-a-day fast, there is this compounding effect when you get to those last two weeks where you do feel like you're dying, mm-hmm. even though you're eating once a day. Really? Oh, yeah, I mean, your my brain slows down. It's nah. just that those last what, two weeks, really, it, that's when it's you just want to you want to give in. Yeah, usually, uh, for the most part, if I'm, I don't usually eat until three or four. It's only well, my first meal. Maybe it, it was for me because my meal a day. What were you eating? Changes. Uh huh. Right, the first couple of weeks it's just hamburgers, and you're trying to get calories in, and then. Uh, every year I do it, my cravings change where I'll, I'll like be craving tuna mm-hmm. or I'll crave like protein. My, I could tell my body's telling me to eat certain things. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of get to a point where my meals just get small. I'm not hungry. It's hard to eat that meal. Really? And uh, it just gets, it gets, it gets tough. Interesting. Uh, this but la- this last time you, you implemented a few other big changes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, this, this last fall, uh, uh, yeah, I, I always do no alcohol. Uh, just because I can't drink and eat one meal a day, uh, it's just too easy to. <laughs> if I drink too much one night, you know, uh-huh. that next morning not eating breakfast, mm-hmm. so I just take the alcohol out more for just to make it easier to eat one meal a day, and then the no coffee. No, no coffee, I, don't know. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I probably could, but it wouldn't feel good. I, well, I felt great, and that was the only time I slept really well in the last year. Uh, but my whole point of all this was. Uh, Having that self-control is easy if I execute it 100%. If I execute it 99, then I immediately fall off, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's what happened with the miracle morning. Same with uh, the the Lent or the, the fasting. If I have if I have one cheat day, it's, like it's an, done. Like an alcoholic, right? You just have a little sip and then it's downhill from there. Just got to go. But it, it is a great exercise uh, in self-discipline and self-control and I do see it flood, flow over into work for sure when I'm doing that fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things we can do to improve ourselves out there. It's just pick one and stick with it. I'd say there's, yeah, there's a, d- a lot of different direction. It's so how do you avoid getting caught up in all the, the hype and ideas and you go to a conference and they're throwing everything at you and you're, you stay in your box. Again, I do it. I throw stuff out at you. I did it with, uh, uh, uh the other day I said, Oh, you got to get in touch with, uh, Larry Hales. And I like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So just uh, you mentioned at the very beginning, the shiny thing, the, doing the latest, greatest shiny object. Dude, fuck that shit, okay? It's, it's just the basics. Yeah, people work with who they know, like, and trust. Right, if you've got a, uh, there's a show I talk about. It's called The Prophet. Um, it's on, I don't know if it's still on CNBC or not. Marcus Lemonis, he's the CEO of, um, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, Camping World, I believe. But he had a TV show where he'd go in and help fix invest and fix failing in failing businesses. And he had the three things people, the three P's you would call it to any successful business, which is people, uh, product and process. So it's just having that process and just executing the process. And with technology and the internet, I'm not like, Hey, let's go back to the horse and buggy. But I do believe that people want to work with people. 
at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. So if people still want to work with people when they're spending their money, you've got to have a process in place to cater to those people. So I don't I don't buy into the Zillow leads and buying this and, and doing that because the amount of time it takes to work that subset of leads and the return, it's not even worth it. I mean, you could spend that time prospecting on that spear who is going to help you and help you get more leads uh, as opposed to paying for crap. I, I just, just do the basics. It's the basics, man. It's uh, the best. Uh, I mean, you, I, I'm sure we don't know how much Kobe Bryant worked. Look at James Harden. I gotta hate the guy, but his footwork, I, I guarantee that guy in the offseason, all he is doing is working on that step back over and over and over. And the Euro, you know, before that, perfecting the Euro step mm-hmm. over and over and over and over. Now everybody does the Euro step. And probably before that, it was Manu doing the Euro step and some of the other guys who came over. But just the basics. I mean, just work on something and do it really well. That's all. But we get too caught up on, oh, I'm going to try this now because this didn't work. So I'm going to try that. No, that's not going to work. So I'm going to try this. It's, there's, there's, no, there's no secret. I guarantee you, there's no, there's no secret out there at all. Just CrossFit, Ryan. You just have to show up and do the workout. All I did today was show up. Yeah, just show up and do, <laughs> show up and do the workout. Simple as that. Well, um, way to bring it back full circle. There you go. Hakuna Matata. I know. <laughs> um, thanks for coming on. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way to do it? Google. Okay. I don't know. Google, Google, Google me Aaron Coker or... Um, yeah, if, you if, if you're looking to get a home loan from Aaron Coker, just just hit Co- up Cody or Co- I. Cody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to get you in touch. No, it's uh, yeah, you can just you can just you know Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm I think I'm on LinkedIn. And one thing, one reason I like working with you, and, and we're in an industry where we can work anywhere we want, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, your openness to share everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that uh, that makes a, for a really good work environment because we all work in. We're, work environments where we look at our coworkers as competitors. We've been there and, uh, and, oh, wow. and working with like-minded people is awesome. So yeah, uh, if people want to learn more about uh, core coaching, uh, is there the, what this Google core coaching, Google. I think, or core training, maybe I think it might be core training okay. is what it could be. But yeah, it's uh, uh, changed my life yeah, for sure. Well, I know we're excited about it. We're about a month in. I think I've had three calls, so six weeks in. Yeah, six weeks probably. So, yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks again. Uh, the Hunt for Success Podcast.com. Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Give us some likes, shares, comments. Help us out. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate Thank it. You. Take care.